stand up now.
on your love to us. And you want us to be unified in your love so that others may know. That's right. How wonderful, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you tonight. You are wonderful. Thank you.
strange things coming out of other people's mouths, but I really feel that the Lord has, for some of you, a, a fresh outpouring, whether it be the first time or the new time. So mm-hmm. we'll just stay here just for a little bit longer, and I just want to keep your hand on the shoulder of the person next to you. And I just want you just to, to if you feel words coming to your mouth, you know, like, go for it. And uh, I think the Lord really wants to maybe even just release that gift in some people tonight. We're not going to go into a big teaching of it. But this is a great place to make mistakes so that you can go for it here. It's a safe place. Because we're with the Lord and He uh, he loves us all the same. So you might feel a bit silly. Don't worry about that. Don't listen to that lie or that, that, uh, that thought. It's a safe place and the Lord is here. So we just open our hearts tonight, Lord, again. Once again, Lord, for some of us, once again we come. For some of us, it's the first time, and we just say we want more of you. We want your passion. And I just pray for the specific gift of the prayer language you poured out on your people, Lord. Continue to do it. What a weapon, what an encouragement, what a a, a glorifying glorifying thing that edifies us as we get closer to you. Lord, we get closer to the source. So I just release that now, Lord, in your name, Jesus. Would you come? Would you loosen the mouths of those that are scared and fearful and just confused and may have just had abuse with, with, with gifts and things like that? We just pray a, a grace upon on this, this meeting. There wouldn't be confusion. There wouldn't be fear and doubt and abuse. That your grace would come. And you would just start to lift those, those burdens and let that gift just flow freely.
like what Steve said about the spirit, let me just add a word about the difference between emotions and emotionalism. If you're if you're experiencing some new things here tonight, maybe there may be some concern that, that uh, it's emotionalism. The difference between the two is emotion is a wonderful response to God and to His presence. Emotions of joy or emotions of peace or uh, emotionalism is when emotions take over and they run. Yeah. They lead. My emotions weren't leading tonight. They were following and they're responding to God's truth or God's goodness or God's presence. Then emotions plays a wonderful part. We don't have to be afraid of emotions in that case. Any more than I do if the Vikings score a touchdown. I'm responding to not to emotion. I'm responding to something that happened. And so I get excited and I'm not I don't I don't worry about emotionalism there. I am emotional. Yes. Yeah, so so when the spirit moves on us, emotion can be a response. It doesn't have to be. Yeah, if you didn't have an emotional response, that's okay too, because emotions follow. So if it's not there, that doesn't uh, negate the presence of God in your life or God doing something in your life. It's just a healthy response that God sometimes chooses to bring. And we don't have to worry about that. So God, I pray for any who, who may, uh, may be concerned. This is a, a newer thing, a newer experience for them to sing in this way, to give them joy and peace so that they are, they are not worried.
Lord, we just thank you for your love. Yes. We, we love to sing your praises, Lord. We do. We love to sing your praises. We do. Praise be to your name, and I pray that everything we do in our lives, but even now, this in this meeting, we'll, we'll give you the glory you deserve. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 We find a spot to sit out. Okay, find a spot, squash on in. We got some. Hey, you Christian do a good job of worship. Let's see what Okay, so a few things coming up. I'll wait till everyone gets in. Before I forget, I just had a really quick um, thought about, we are talking about tongues a little bit, and that can be a weird issue, especially amongst Christians, especially amongst so many theological students here, and different different denominations, different backgrounds, different upbringings, and I just thought I'll share a little bit about my testimony in terms of my experience with it, because you can't argue with that, so it's good. You know, I went to a charismatic college. I grew up traditional Baptist, and then I went through a whole different series of changes. So my so you're really messed up. I know. I'm really messed up. That's why I need the spirit. But uh, like, I grew up where it wasn't t- taught in my church. It wasn't spoken about. It was like that joke. Use the mic. Oh, sorry. There's people way out in the other room. Way in the other room. In the other room. Two other rooms. I just, I just gave a word about the Holy Spirit and how you need it. That's pretty much all you missed. <laughs> I, uh, I grew up Baptist, and they didn't, not, not only against the Baptists, I love them, and there's so much good stuff going on in the Baptist church back home in Australia, but I didn't hear any teaching on it. I didn't hear any, like, explanation of what it means. It's like that joke, they talk about the creed, how they talk about, you know, they go on and on about the Father, they go on and on about, about Jesus, and then they're like, and the Holy Spirit. And moving on, like, they sort of, they brushed over it really quick. And that's kind of what I, I felt the Holy Spirit was. It was a name at the end of a prayer that just tagged along. And so, um, I, it's, it's funny, I grew up in the church but never really met the Lord until I was 17 and I had a radical encounter with the Lord where His Spirit, like, captured me. Like, it wasn't God, the Father that I've learned about in Sunday school. It wasn't Jesus, the person who died on the cross. It was something else. But, I mean, it, it's the truth. So, I felt that it was like, that's, that's good. I've learned about that, but I've never experienced it. So anyway, I met the Spirit in a radical way at like a um, at like a Youth Alive at Hillsong rally, and I just broke down into tears and wept and wept and wept and just was like, "What is this?" And I went back to my church, and uh, and they had no explanation for it, and I was like, "Oh, okay, so you meet the Spirit when you get saved, kind of thing, but then you kind of forget about Him and you just go about your business." And it wasn't until I I moved to a different, I moved from the country to the city. And I worked at this ministry where all these radical, crazy young Christians, and they'd all, they'd all like talking gibberish when we went to worship. Sometimes I'm like, what, what is up with that? And um, but it wasn't in an offensive way, and it wasn't like it wasn't in a way that would like intimidated me. It just it sort of sparked a bit of curiosity in my, in my heart and in my spirit. And so these guys were my mentors as well. They were a couple of years older than me, and just on fire for the Lord. Like it just seemed like they had something that. I just, I, I wanted it. I didn't just need I wanted it so bad. And so I asked one of the guys, a mentor of mine, after a couple of months of getting to know him and finding out a little bit about, like reading about the gifts a little bit more. And, and he just explained to me as best as he could. You know, he said, it's, it's for me, it's a prayer language that I use, you know, with the Lord. And it sounds like gibberish to the person next to me, if, you know, unless it's, you know, a word for someone. But 
he said, he goes, I can't really explain it other than I, I read about it, I studied it, I asked someone about it, you know, I read the scriptures about it, and I prayed for it, and I got it. I thought, that seems simple enough. <laughs> so I, I, I did all those things and dotted them all, and I didn't get it. I, I was just like, oh, that's a bit of a rip-off. But, you know, and I, I stuck with it for a while, you know, and I was like, you know what, I must have to work really hard for it. So I started, you know, spending more time in my quiet times and going to church a little bit more and nothing again. I was like, what's going on? This is, this is not fair. And all these, my, at the same time, all these guys are just going for it in worship meetings and just really, you can just tell them, they just know the Lord in an intimate way. And anyway, I just... I was getting pretty frustrated, but I stuck with it. I just kept seeking the Lord and just asking. Every time there was a time like this, a meeting where people would get prayed for, I'd get prayed for, and, and I'd try, and just, I felt a little bit silly, and then I wouldn't do it again for a couple of months. Anyway, I think roughly around eight months after I first started seeking it and praying for it and studying it, I was at this uh, retreat for a staff retreat, and it was in, in Australia. There's, this, this, there's Sydney, and it's on the coast, and you drive about an hour, and there's a great dividing range. It's kind of like the Rockies, and it's, but it's tiny, it's like really, really small, but it's out, we call them the Blue Mountains, it's a very popular tourist spot, just a bit of a plug there for Australia, so it, they call it the Blue Mountains, and uh, it's like the Smoky Mountains, don't make fun, it's like, she's my wife, it's okay, so anyway, we get to the Blue Mountains, and it's a ferocious like wind, not really like a storm, just like the wind is just blowing everywhere, and it's pretty cold, I'm from Australia, so like, for me, like, 40 degrees Fahrenheit's cold. And so it was about that, and that's cold for me. And so we were having, like, a prayer meeting and a worship meeting, and the guy was journeying with me, the person I talked to about tongues, and he was like, hey, going with it, you know, let's pray again for it. Continually, just continuing to pray for me. I thought he would have got sick of me, but he didn't. He just he's like, all right, let's try again. And so, you know, he, he just kept praying with me, and then he's like, he just, he, he's a man that really heard from the Lord, and he's like, I think tonight's your night. And then he's like, come on out to the balcony. And I was like, what? And you know, when, when people are obedient to the Spirit, they do some weird things. And that's just the I can't, you know, like, it happened, we question it today, but it happened so much in the Bible, you know, the strangest of things, like go put a piece of cloth out, and then, you know, if, it, if it's word on one side and whatever, like, we don't question it that much, we think, oh, it's okay, it's in the Bible. When it happens now, it's kind of like, what? So it's like, it's just really strange. He said, come out into the storm with me. So I was like, all right. So we went, we rugged up and all this stuff and went out into the balcony, and he just said, he said, let's just, what's that? Put warm clothes on. I put, yeah, rugged up means put warm clothes on. That's my translator, my beautiful wife, Kelly, translator. Rugged up means put warm clothes on. And, uh, so we went out, we went out to the porch. Is that better? Porch? You know, okay, you know what a balcony is. We went, we went out, we went out and, um, we just started like just worshiping and like and I, I mean I was I was like I was getting okay with that whole deal of you know without the the song list just praising the Lord and and so we just started worshiping for a while and just I mean nothing really happened and I was like you know what I'm just gonna stand here and just, as, as I got ferocious like in a zeal like way like I just want this Lord I just want this and just just stay with Him and I really feel and I, I mean I was encouraged by a friend who said I feel tonight is a special night for you and so. We stayed out there, and then I asked him. I was really practical about it. I said, you know, how do you know that you've got it kind of thing? And I can't remember the words he used, but he said, just to start, just start moving your mouth and see what happens. And I was like, blah, blah, blah. I was like, I sound like Judah. But, you know, like, but uh, I just, something started to click when I started to open my mouth and started to speak. And then, bam, like, it just came. And I was just like, whoa. Like, that whole eight months to a year of just searching, it just was so worth it. And I just want to encourage and continue to encourage you. If nothing happened tonight, there's no condemnation on that. 
and there's no there's no reason not to believe that he's doing something or already has done something in your spirit tonight. You know, you, you don't have to have that to be what they call baptized in the spirit. I mean, some people will teach that, but we're not going to get into that. Like, the Lord can work in you and does work in you. And uh, that's, just, that's just my experience. So you can't refute that. That's what happened with me. And I just want to encourage you. If nothing happens, it's okay. There's no condemnation on that. And you know, this is a place where it's... You're free just to, to be yourself and to journey with one another and with the Lord. So take that and uh, I just just release that over you now in Jesus' name. And if there's anyone with doubt, confusion, anxiety, like Paul was saying, like just worried about, you know, is this the right way to do it? Or it's okay. It's okay where you're at in your journey. It's okay where you're at uh, with the Lord. He knows. And I just believe that he wants to uh, he wants to continue to work in you. Mm-hmm. He wants to give you your testimony, your experience, That's so right. that you can pass it on to others and encourage right. them. So we just bless bless these people, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that right. that are in their own journey with you, wherever they're at, Lord. Just bless them, and and we just protect their mind, their soul, and their spirit by the blood of Jesus. Amen. 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 Right, that, that was just came to me so good. Thank you, <laughs> thank you, Lord. We've got a few announcements, so uh, we'll encourage the use of the mic because there's people out there. So, Kate, Irving, where are you? Right here. Announcements about small groups. Yes, small groups. Woohoo! Woo-hoo. 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 My name is Katie, and I am starting a small group for the latest. It's for prayer, so it's going to be a women's prayer group, and. My heart and hope for this is that we can just really press in and touch the fringes of heaven and ask God for his heart and pray for each other as well as our world. And um, in doing that, I hope that we can all grow in the knowledge of God together and also build relationships, friendships with the power of the Holy Spirit. So um, that's going to be happening. So um, I have little things for you guys to take. If you are a lady, just take one. Like, even if you're not sure, just take one. So, everybody take one, except for the guys. Are there any newbies in the house? Any new people here for the first time? Welcome to the Crazy Crew. We have a gigantic pen for you. There you go. Now we have a sign-up sheet. It just gives you a uh, it gives you a uh, a way to stay in contact with what we're doing, and by email updates and things like that. It's a really good way to stay in contact. So welcome. Oh, I didn't send the pen. Come on, take that with you. Okay, let's go with. Oh, just before I forget, also there's an offering plate. Uh, I think it's downstairs. It's downstairs. I really encourage you. It's a box. Whoa. Well, upgraded to a box. <laughs> That's how much we're expecting. Okay, come on. Come on. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. It's this what? I'm not explaining something. Oh, sorry. I was like, the box is over here. <laughs> she was seeing it in the spirit. It's okay. So we, I encourage you guys. It's it's really really fun here. It's a great place, and there's there's no pressure to give. But how, like how much? I'm gonna talk about music real quick. One sentence. I don't, I don't get illegal music off the internet because I don't really value something I haven't paid for. That's just a personal thing for me. Like, the same thing with this, not saying we pay for community service, but 
I like to invest in something that's worth it. You know what I mean? It's so much good stuff happens here, and Paul and, and teams go out and do great stuff all over the world. And for me, that's like enough to say, I'm putting my money down in a place like this. So I encourage you to give uh, if you're in a place where you're able to give, and that's downstairs. Um, <laughs> I think. Yes. Go, Couch. Jen, are you, you going to interview Tracy? Or is that, is that happening now? Jen and Tracy, are they in the house? Yeah, jump in. Yell it out to Jim and Mom. Whoa. She'll go first. Okay, nice and loud. Alright, um, God's Playground, the Canada's Hiking Club, is going camping at Gooseberry Falls. Camping at Gooseberry Falls. The third weekend in August. Third weekend of August. So the second Saturday is canceled because of the Holy Spirit Conference, okay. but the next weekend's camping, so. Camping, woohoo! Other details later. Gary, right. you got one as well. Thank you, Carol. Uh, so last Saturday, a group from Communitas went and volunteered with A Brush With Kindness, which is part of Twin Cities Habitat for Humanity, and they helped a homeowner in North Minneapolis paint her home. Just, I talked to the homeowner, and she, raise your hand if you went and volunteered. Yeah. Yeah. I talked to the homeowner, she said the team was lovely, and um, all my staff were very appreciative of your work and very impressed with how hard you guys work. So thank you all so much. Good job. Good job. Good job. Yeah. Before we do the interview, if Casey goes a little bit longer, um, Callie, youth with. Uh, can you. Maybe not. Maybe yell out. Or you can make your way up. While she's coming up, guys, there is the prevail, prevail, prevailing, prevailing Church Conference coming up in like a week. Yes. Next weekend. Well, next midweek it starts. Yes. It's going to be a great conference. There are people like John Paul Jackson, Dave Householder, is it? Yeah. And Rick Joyner and Graham Cook. And these guys, if you haven't heard of them. Paul Anderson. Oh, Paul Anderson. Whoa. And Carl doing a bit of worship. And Matt, Matt's speaking as well at a seminar. And that dude from Substance. He's a good teacher as well. What's his name? Yeah, he's Peter Haas speaking at a seminar as well. So it's going to be unreal. We actually save a couple rows near the front because there are a lot of community kids that come. So if you come in the evening, look on the left hand side, the organ side. Organ side. Near the front. The funky side. We'll be there. Okay, and it's it's actually free. How cool is that? So it's absolutely free. So pass those round, take one, and Callie's got an announcement about the youth there, correct? Yes. All right, I'm Callie. I'm the high school youth pastor over at North Heights, and I have the honor this year of leading out the youth portion of the Holy Spirit Conference. I, it was my understanding that some of you have been involved years past. Who's been involved with the, the youth portion? Really? Yeah, okay, a couple. Yeah. Sweet. Um, so I've heard really amazing things about it. I'm super excited to be involved this year. Um, the way that the youth portion works is Thursday, August um, 6th and Friday, August 7th, from 1.30 to 4.45, we gather with um, junior and high school age students. Um, and what's been on my heart for these kids this year is talking about how um, God has placed in each of us a passion, a dream, um, He's really invested treasures in each of us. Um, and when we neglect them, God, we miss out on part of His kingdom, and the rest of us miss out on that and other people too. So talking about how the gospel uh, is, isn't boring, it's quite risky, and it takes a lot of faith, and it's exciting. 
um, and that how God has called each of us to be a part of it in our own unique way. Um, then we'll follow up the next day with, so he doesn't just leave us to do this on our own, but he's given us gifts of the Spirit and fruit of the Spirit to follow through with these things that he's called us to do. Um, so I am really, really excited for this time. Um, and I am here because I am in need of volunteers. Um, I'm looking for people who can lead worship, who are able to push buttons back in the sound booth, um, who would like to facilitate and lead small group discussion with the students. Um, and specifically, I'm looking for testimonies as well, um, maybe of how God has placed those things in you and your path of discovery of what those things are, the way he's been calling them out in you. Um, maybe it's testimonies about what gifts you're discovering in yourself that, that God's placed in you um, and what that looks like um, in in the world and how he's calling that out. So I just think it's a powerful thing to hear from different people of what God's doing, and I especially think this community would just be so powerful to team up with these students and really equip and empower them in their walk with God. So if you're interested, which I hope you are, um, my name is Callie. Come find me after. Otherwise, I think the email update has my email on it as well. So I would love for everyone to be involved if you could. All right. Thanks. Anyone else before we have? Is it Jen and Tracy? Mm-hmm. That's right. Um, can I just make a quick announcement? Speaking of missions, um, Ritsko uh, is around the corner. Ritsko san, come over here a second. Dozo, dozo, dozo. Just came back from Japan and she's been part of our group. This Sunday night, we're going to go to hear a missionary, a young adult who's been teaching there for four years, and Litsko and I, and a couple others. Whoever has an interest in not only Japan, but other you know, missions, come uh, with us on Sunday night. Meet here at 6.30. So, uh, welcome. We're back afterwards. Lots going on. We've got, there's the last one in there, I think. What was your name? Sorry, I've forgotten. Kevin. Kevin is going to be speaking with us after that. All right. This is Tracy Brodigan, and I'm Jen Mosier. Hi, Tracy. Hi, Hi Sarah. And if you don't know her yet, you should get to know her soon because she's leaving. Oh. So I'm here to tell you about what she's doing. Well, she's going to tell you, and I'm going to interview her. So. <laughs> Okay, so Miss Tracy, where are you going and watch? Well, at the end of August, I'm going, first I'm going to Belize in Central America, and I will be there for three months. After that, I don't know where I'm going, um, somewhere else, and I'll be there, I'll be there for two months, and then after that, I'll go somewhere else, but I don't know where that is either. So, okay. <laughs> anyway, so I know I'm going to Belize, Central America, and I know I'm going to other places, but I don't know where those two other places are yet. Why are you going there, Tracy? <laughs> I am going to do a DTS with YWAM, Youth with Mission. So, um, I'm going there because God is calling me there. <laughs> And when do you leave? And also, if um, this is, I, I'm just thinking of this now, so this 
Tracy didn't tell me to say this, but if if someone felt led to help you out, how could, could they? When am I going next? Right. I'm leaving August 25th. Um, I think I'm pretty sure tonight is my last night. I'm going to be able to be here. Um, if they want to help me out, um, you can contact Jen, and she'll have information about that. Or we could give a gift. We could give a Communitas gift. If you want to give to Communitas and I, and say this is for uh, Tracy, it'll go to Tracy. That's what the money goes for, for this kind of thing. It also goes to buy food, but more of it goes to help people in missions. So that would be a wonderful thing to give a gift to Tracy. And Jen, you're like the person in charge of the board thing, right? She'll have, she'll be getting my updates of prayer requests and all that type of stuff too. So she'll have all that info. If you haven't seen our Communitas Missionary Board out there on the wall yet, you should check that out. Because it's people we know serving, and there's a few people we have to add still, like Tracy, and um, I was going to add Carrie. So, um, and then last, I well, we're going to pray for Tracy, and the last thing I was curious, um, there may be one or two people in here who don't really know a lot about YWAM, so can you give a brief, like, is YWAM just a really cool place? <laughs> YWAM stands for Youth with a Mission, and they actually have bases all over the world. Um, pretty much what, what I'm going to do, the, when I'm in Belize, it'll be a discipleship training school, so it'll be the lecture phase of the time of my whole trip. And then we're a group of students there, and then as a group we go somewhere on outreach, missions type stuff. Then after that, we break up and go individually somewhere else for our internship part. All right, so everybody extend your hand out to Tracy. And I'll lead out, but if maybe one or two people want to pray as well, would that be okay? Okay. Heavenly Father, we lift up our sister Tracy to you, God, into your hands. We are excited and we are behind her in this. God, would you raise her up as a leader um, in your mission field? God, whatever you are calling her to do, would you just make that known to her? Would you provide every need that she has in Jesus' name? Would you protect her, her heart and her mind? God, would you just grow her in how you plan to? And we just will miss her dearly, God, but we trust you as you take her away from us that you're going to be bringing her to where she needs to be brought. Lord, give us just direction as to how we can support her still, Jesus. Thank you for all of the things that you are going to do in her heart, God. Thank you for all of the people that she will meet and for all of the experiences that she will have, Father. And we just bless each one of them, Lord. Um, we bless the hard times she will have. We bless the exciting times. Father, give her endurance and 
encourage God to step outside of what she is comfortable with following. And Lord, let her come out of this trip, um, this experience, with a heart that is even more abandoned to you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Just solidify your calling on her life, Father. And help her to have fun. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we ask for divine appointments that you would just set people up um, that she's supposed to speak to, that she's supposed to minister to. We ask for your angels to go before her and prepare the way in each of the countries that you're calling her to, that you would just um, send your warring angels to go before her and to prepare the way in Jesus' name. I thank you for just a spirit of utterance to be on her tongue, that she would be quick, she would be in tune with your spirit in every situation that she's put in. I just ask that you would just um, quicken her feet to go, that you would prepare her heart and her mind and just plunge her deeper into everything that you've called her into, that you would that this would be a trip that just acts the giftings and the callings that you put on her life in Jesus' name. Lord, I just ask for unity with the team that she's going to be living with, Father, for the next few months, God. And I just ask that there will be peace upon them, Lord, and they'll know how to work together and just follow you, God. God, I just pray financial blessing. God, that you would just give her peace and calm and that you would just provide. God, just, just, just provide food, whoever and whatever, God. Give her peace. And Lord, as you released her, Lord, what has been her dream, which is your dream, Lord, I just ask that you surround her with encouragement, Lord, and love, mm-hmm. and your word, Lord. And if there are friends, though, that stand for me, your word also, Lord God, to surround her in prayer there and here. Lord, I want to ask for your blessing upon her and the whole team for safety and for um, that they would be well, they would, that, that no sickness would come to them, and that they would give them stamina and endurance, that you would keep them safe, that you would go ahead in all the countries, and that you would clear the way and make it safe for them. Be with them, Lord. Amen. 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 And how about we continue the applause for our speaker, Kevin? Come on up. of this world and 
completely independent of all of the circumstances that surround our lives individually and completely independent of all contrary feelings you are seated upon the throne and would you from your throne cause us to have hearts that are open and not merely open but hungry and would you remove from us anything that needs to be taken out and would you place into us everything you want to place in and would you increase our ability to hear Lord with the end in mind that we will be doers and not merely accumulators of information and I ask that you will use me to declare your word and that you alone will receive the glory and the honor and the praise and all God's people said Amen. Amen I'm going to be sharing with you tonight on the subject faithfulness in the small things and I like to define terms when I use them what comes to mind what comes to your mind when you think of the word faithfulness loyalty loyalty very good yeah any other thoughts stewardship stewardship okay what's another word for stewardship servant servant yep but actually a synonym is manager a steward is a manager not an owner very good okay other other words other thoughts consistency consistency yeah yeah yep anything else commitment. pardon me commitment. yeah definitely endurance endurance good stuff you guys are reading my mail <laughs> okay anything else love love uh-huh integrity uh-huh yeah, good stuff. To follow through. Yeah, very good. Very good. You remember Jesus getting upset with people and talking about them as a faithless generation? How it grieved him. And he even said through Peter, well, Peter said it on the day of Pentecost, save yourselves from this faithless generation. God calls us to be faithful. My own understanding of faithfulness parallels your own. It's basically sustained forward movement in the face of adversity. Perseverance is required. Another word that comes to mind when I think of faithfulness is responsibility. Faithful people are people that can be trusted. They're, they're responsible. And then when we talk about small things, tonight when I'm talking about being faithful in small things, I'm talking about things that don't seem to matter in the overall scheme of things, and we're going to identify some of those. Does, do any of you have any thoughts about what kinds of things that might include? I'll, I'll give you some ideas. Here's something that I, I want to impress upon you, and there's no insinuation here that you're not faithful in this. I just want to think out loud with you about some of these things, because... In the years that I've been a pastor, it's it's disappointed me how many times people have been who have been taught the value of daily Bible reading and prayer. Uh, in fact, let me say it this way: consistent daily Bible reading and prayer don't do it. And included among those people are pastors. A lot of pastors use the Bible as a reference book in preparation for sermons, but not primarily in a daily way to fellowship with God. I'm not saying all pastors are that way. I know 
a lot of pastors like Paul and, and others, David Householder, Mike Bradley, who are in the Word of God daily. But oftentimes, I'll have a conversation with spiritual leaders, people with a lot of spiritual responsibility, and they'll share with me a little bit about their lives. And without intending to accuse them, I'll just say, let me ask you, you know, are you, are you in the Word? And I can't tell you how many times I've heard, not really. And I'll ask, what, what does that mean? When was the last time you had a consistent devotional life? And I'll hear things like months, years, from people who are filled with the Spirit, speak in tongues, and are pretty decent preachers. Faithfulness. To take time alone with God, not so you can accumulate information, not so you can impress people with your knowledge of the Bible, but so you can get to know the God of the Word. A text that God gave me as a new follower of Jesus is from Jeremiah, Jeremiah 9:23 and 24, where God spoke through Jeremiah and he said, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, or the rich man in his riches, or the strong man in his strength. But let him that glory glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the God of justice and mercy and righteousness, and I delight in these things, saith the Lord. Now, it's possible to be consistent in daily Bible reading and be a Pharisee, is it not? In fact, in, in John chapter 5, Jesus rebuked the Pharisees. He said, at least he said it this way in the uh, New American Standard Bible. He said, you diligently search the scriptures, but you don't know me. So we want to make sure that we read the scriptures, but we also want to make sure that when we're reading, we're asking the Holy Spirit to get a hold of our hearts and to give us revelational knowledge. Because without revelational impartation from the Holy Spirit, all you're going to have is information, good information, true information, but we want information that leads to transformation. So I want to challenge you because don't you want to be able to say 10 years from now, I faithfully met with the Lord, not so you can pat yourself on the back or feel better with yourself, but so you can say, God is that big a priority to me that I need to make time for him. I find that I have times for the things that are a priority to me. A funny, a funny thing occurs to me. I had chest pains in the middle of the night years ago. And as inconvenient a time as that was, uh, I called 911. <laughs> I had uh, an ambulance dispatched to my house, and I had paramedics doing tests on me. And uh, it was just enough of a priority. Uh, a little while later, a year or two later, I accidentally uh, cut an artery open in my thumb on Christmas Day. I, I borrowed a sharp knife one of my kids had received for Christmas in order to open a package. And I hit, I hit an artery, and I'd never seen what that really looks like. And... Uh, it just the blood just kind of goes, and it uh, it was reaching my kids and uh, my wife, who's a nursing instructor, said, "Oh, don't worry, just pinch it, pinch it together." And my kids are saying, "Mom, I think he needs to get to the hospital and have that stretched up." Oh, I don't think so. Just pinch it together. My point is, if you find yourself in a situation where you need emergency care, no matter what time of day, no matter if you're in the middle of a test at school, you'll take care of it, won't you? Why? How do you manage to do that? Well, it just so happens you prioritize certain things, like your health, typically, at least in an emergency situation. 
I am not aware of an insulin-dependent diabetic who doesn't take his insulin. Inconvenient as it is. So, daily Bible reading might not seem like that big a deal, and certainly I don't mean any kind of shame or condemnation on anyone who, you know, you miss, and what's that all about? Well, you know, just pick up the next day. Pick up the next day. I would rather see people consistently, on a daily basis, meet with God for a little while, rather than take one or two hours a week to meet with God for four or five hours at a time. Does this make sense? Okay. How about consistent weekly worship? Do you know that not only do you get something when you come, but you give something when you come? Your presence adds something to communitas. And when you're not here, something is missing. And the church needs you. The body of Christ needs you. I I think it's interesting uh, dealing with people who are middle-aged and have children, uh, even people who think of themselves as veteran Christians, when you ask them how they select a church, you know what the typical answer is? They check, they, that's right, they check the menu options. They're not asking, where is God leading me so that I can serve? They're asking, where can I go so that I can be fed? Now, being fed is important, yeah. right? Sure it is, and we should be very discerning about where we go, and I'm, I'm not territorial when it comes to people, uh, and, and I try not to be possessive. I try, I really try hard not to stalk people after they leave. <laughs> but, <laughs> but the truth is, I've told people in churches that I've served, I've said, you know, you should choose a church the same way I'm supposed to choose a church. And you know how I'm supposed to choose a church? By asking God where he's leading me. And sometimes that's meant I've not gone to places that could pay me better than the place that I've been called. And sometimes I've gone to churches that are dying, churches that don't have the ministries for my kids that I would like to see when I had an opportunity to go to a different church. I need to discern where is God calling me. In fact, I don't quite understand when I've heard seminarians tell people in leadership in their denominations, I'll go anywhere but rural North Dakota. Well, rural North Dakota is just about all of North Dakota. (laughs) But I don't understand that mentality when people say, I'll go anywhere but. And some of you are going to get to hear Graham Cook next week, and you may be familiar with his own story, how he was put on a shelf for many years. And uh, due to a lack of integrity in the part of some people that he was walking with and submitted to early in his ministry, he held some people accountable, and they contacted all of the people where he had ministry assignments and badmouthed him, and suddenly everyone was canceling him, and he didn't have teaching opportunities. And for years, he was just kind of on the shelf. And I don't know how many years this was, but sometime later he got a call from a place, a ministry place in Canada, and they asked him to come, and he said no. And then he heard the Lord say, you know, Graham, the words no and Lord don't go very well together. If you and I claim to know Jesus as our Lord and we're hearing him say go, the answer should be yes, 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 Lord, yes, Lord. So we need to be faithful in these kinds of things, just getting your 
lazy took us out of bed some days. Do you know Paul said, I buffet my body? He didn't say I buffet my body. He said, I buffet my body. I make it my slave. Mm -hmm. How about faithfulness in generous giving? You know, you're talk talking about a giving opportunity here at Communitas. Some of us, I think, misunderstand the text in 2 Corinthians 9, where Paul says, don't give begrudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And I've heard lots of people say, well, I just, I'm sorry, I, I, it would be begrudging if I gave. And if you look at the context, Paul was not talking about the regular support that we're called to give the church that we're partnering with. He was talking about a special offering. For the saints. And there will be special offerings until the cows come home. And you and I need to discern whether God's calling us to participate in every special offering. But there are some places that we need to be giving to. If we're committed to them, we need to be supporting them. I mean, if I'm a father. I'm supposed to support my children. Right? And sometimes that, need, that means that supporting my child financially means I don't get to have the kind of car I might want to drive. Because... My children need that income for an educational opportunity or a sport or something like that. And so I want to challenge you. Ask God to show you where he's called you to be a servant, not merely a consumer, but where has he called you to be a, a servant? If that's communitas, give as generously as you can, faithfully, week in and week out, even when it's tough. I'm going to ask you to give the first check you write. In fact, make the first check you write. When you get paid, I know some of you are working, at least over the short term in between going to school, right? Make the check to your church. And if that's this place right now, here, make that your first check. Write it out faithfully. You know, we have online giving at uh, the church that I serve, and that's fine, but I, I don't give online. I want, it, I want it to be an act of worship. I like to bring a physical, tangible representation of my labor and my stewardship to my church. And so I want to ask you, be faithful. Be as generous as you can be. Here, here's one of the things you're going to learn. I believe if you really seek God and aim to please Him, you can give more than you think you can give. <laughs> you know, I I, uh, I have not always taught well on tithing, and I don't believe tithing is incumbent upon New Testament believers, but I know it's taught a lot, and I think it's a it's a good way to learn to give. It's a good practice if you want to learn to give. Uh, Randy Alcorn talks about it as the training wheels of giving. But there are people that think that's a big deal, that giving 10% is a big deal. I think 10% is hardly a start. And it's great to fantasize about what you can give after you've established what kind of standard of living is appropriate for you. What has God, or how has God called you to live? And after you figure out what that standard of living is, then figure out what your standard of giving needs to be and give as much as you can give because you can't outgive God. And somebody said to me, Kevin, are you saying to people they should give to get? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I, I am, and I'll, I'll tell you why. Because doesn't God say that? Yeah. You know, I, I, I just find it's interesting. There are people that think we should have motives more noble than God's. Yeah. <laughs> Don't tell people to give to get because they might give for the wrong reasons. But God says, if you give, it will be given to you. Yeah. Doesn't he? Yeah. 
He says, if you sow sparingly, you're going to reap how? Sparingly. You sow bountifully, you're going to reap bountifully. Don't you think that that statement was designed to appeal to your self-interest? You know, I mean, think, think about uh, the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 30. Now, this is Old Testament. God is communicating this way. He says, I've set before you the way of life and death, the way of blessing and the way of cursing. Choose. Choose life. We don't have the tapes, but I bet you if we did, and you could catch the inflection of God's voice, you'd hear a lot of passion. Choose. Choose life. Why not? Go ahead. Give generously. Give faithfully. And then, how about some of your students, how about giving school your best? Ouch. Didn't hear a single amen. I was never much of a student until actually about two years after I became a follower of Jesus. I didn't like school, struggled in school. I was one of the special kids who went to the special class uh, with the special teacher regularly. And I literally worried at the end of every year in grade school whether they'd promote me to the next grade. You know, most people are wondering, did I get an A or a B? And I'm just hoping they push me out of sixth grade and let me go to seventh grade. But when I was toward the end of my sophomore year in school, about a year after I found Jesus, I remember Colossians 3.23 really coming home to me, where it says, whatever you do, in word or deed, do it all heartily as unto the Lord and not as unto man. And I thought, you know, I really haven't given this a good shot. I haven't given this my best. And I had to take some tough classes, classes I didn't know a whole lot about. I had to take some math classes that I really wasn't prepared to take. And uh, I knew a couple of guys who were math majors, and I asked them to tutor me. And they did. And I actually worked hard. In fact, to my surprise, I, uh, I actually graduated from college on the dean's list. And, uh, you know, I just I want you to know if, if you study... It actually makes a difference. I remember that amazing discovery when I got my first day. I said, that's how they do it. I thought some people were born with the answers. So I, I had to study. I studied hard, studied long, and, uh, and I got help. So give school your best. Give work your best. If you have a job, um, don't be on time. Be early. You know, you know what I think is interesting, at least in a lot of churches, or we, when we have special meetings at our church, um, you know, people will hang around until more people show up. You know, let's say you say, well, we're sort of starting at 7, but uh, we don't, let's wait around some more people show up. I say, why punish the punctual? Why punish the people who show up on time? And if you have a job, you're called to that job to represent Jesus well. Don't you think Jesus would work hard? I bet you he gave his dad his money's worth in the carpentry shop. Yeah. So, show up early. Maybe even be willing to stay late and do your best. Do your absolute best. And do your best to have a great attitude. I was in a hardware store not that long ago, and I asked somebody behind the counter, you know, how's it, how's it going? Oh, it'll be going a whole lot better when I get out of here when my shift is over. And I remember thinking to myself, man, I wouldn't want that person working for me. What's your attitude like at work? 
See, again, we need to buffet our bodies. We need to get after that flesh and say, you know what, I'm in charge here. And I'm not putting up with your rebellion. We're going to work today. We're going to give it 100%. And we're going to do it again the next day because this is about faithfulness. Right? Faithfulness in the small things. Jesus said in Luke 16.10, if you're not faithful with little things, you won't be faithful with big things. He said if you're not honest with little things, you won't be honest with big things. So this is important stuff. Very important. Yeah. Here's another one. Control of spending. How much of the money that you have belongs to you? Zero. Zero. That's really true, biblically. If you're a biblically informed person, if you're committed to biblical teaching, you know that God is the owner of a cattle on a thousand hills. You know that the earth is the Lord's and its fullness. All silver, all gold, all cattle on a thousand hills. Everything. So you are not an owner, then that makes you a, a manager, a steward, right? And a steward is someone not only who doesn't own, but someone who will give an account. Be faithful. Be faithful. Because there is no such thing, really, as discretionary income. Now, there is in your life, if God shows you there is. But ask God, what do you want to do with your money? If you've gotten a tax return or an unexpected gift... I'm not saying you shouldn't be able to spend it on yourself or on a vacation or something nice to wear. I'm saying, why not ask God first? God, what do you want to do with your money? Because if you're not faithful with what you have, what's the likelihood he's going to give you more? See, God wants you and I to be so spiritually healthy that we don't look for life and security in money or in anything else. And so when we receive money, we want to be conscientious to say, what do you want me to do with this? Be careful with your spending. Money is a test. Would you agree with that? In Luke 16, the second part of verse 10, it says, if you're not faithful in the management of your money, who will entrust the true riches to you? Now, one thing I know about the people that come to Communitas is you're after the true riches. You're after the things that money can't buy. That's what I hear every time I'm here, and I believe you. I believe it. I've been convinced. You're, you're going after God. You're going after the things of the kingdom. But believe it or not, how you manage your money will determine whether you can be entrusted with true riches. So that's something you don't want to treat lightly, and you want to ask God to help you to think about that in a, in a helpful way. I know Dave Ramsey has a great course called Financial Peace University. You want, uh, might want to learn more about that. In fact, my son Jude and his future bride are going to be offering a course on that sometime. Maybe we'll commu I'll send a communication to Paul when they determine when they're going to have that. How about being faithful in this area, giving persistent attention to your vulnerabilities? Peter the Apostle says, be sober. Keep alert. Your adversary, the devil, runs around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. Another, another translation says it a little differently. It says, be vigilant. What's it mean to be vigilant? Really to be on guard and to keep being on guard. Be careful. The devil is aware of your vulnerabilities. Do you know how? He's aware of them. It's not because he's all-knowing, but because he watches. Now, he personally can't watch all of us. He's not omniscient. He's not everywhere present. But he has demonic agents who work for him, whose assignment is to observe you and to dangle various carrots in front of you 
that is temptation in front of you to see what you will respond to. I used to be, believe it or not, as a native Chicagoan, I was a real, serious, genuine Chicago Cubs fan. But I have fallen off the wagon. I've been here for a long time, 30-some years, so I really don't care what happens in Chicago anymore. But if they get into the series, I might root for them. <laughs> now, why did I bring that up? Okay, here's why I brought it up. I, I love Major League Baseball, and one of the things I've watched is how pitchers treat various hitters. Pitchers aren't all-knowing. But pitchers get information about the hitters they're going to face. And if I'm pitching to you, and I know every time I throw a slider, I get you out on strikes, I'm not going to throw you a fastball, especially if you've been hitting my fastball. Right? Yeah. And if I go fishing, which is not likely to happen, <laughs> um, because I've been fishing and I just haven't been catching. I, I've been fishing a few times, and I, that's not fun. Catching is more fun. But when I go fishing, uh, I have gone fishing with people who know what they're doing, and they're catching fish while I'm sitting in the same boat with the same stuff, you know, same rod, same reel. They're catching fish, and I'm not, but I watch them. And uh, my brother, Wally, was actually a good fisherman, and he had this little trolling motor, and he would put a minnow on the end of his line, and we'd move around the lake pretty slowly, and if that wasn't working after a while, he'd try a artificial lure and if that wasn't working he would try a worm and if the fish began to bite the worm guess what he wouldn't change to the artificial lure or the minnow he didn't care which bait he used he just wanted the bait that worked satan learns by observing what is he learning about you what is he learning about me We've got to be faithful to deal with our vulnerabilities. Be proactive about your vulnerabilities. And not that lust is an issue for all of you, but I want you to think about this text in Psalm 119, verses 9 and 11, because it applies to any vulnerability. It says, how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. Your word have I treasured or hidden or stored in my heart that I might not sin against you. You see, being consistent, being faithful in that daily time alone with God in the word and prayer is helping you to get the nutrients you need, the strength, the vitality you need, so that you're going to be able to say no to temptation. See, there's a principle in Proverbs 27, 7. It says, the full man loathes even honey, but the person with a ravenous appetite, for that person any bitter thing is sweet. If you get full on God you'll find that when the devil comes by to dangle temptation in your face, you're going to say, no thanks. I know this. After I've just had a wonderful meal, in fact, uh, I'm going to be grilling steak later this week. And I, I mean, I'm spending some money on some good steak. All right? And uh, I'm going to party. I'm going to have some people over, some of my favorite people, uh, my kids, and we're going to have a good time. And I know after we ingest an awful lot of dead cow <laughs> and maybe some really good potatoes because Irishmen love potatoes if after dinner you come by with a Ritz cracker with a sardine on it and say can I tempt you I'll say uh, no, not likely I mean give me a bromo but not the, not the Ritz and the sardine so does this make sense 
persistent in giving attention to your vulnerabilities. Here's another one. Be faithful in spiritual droughts. Isn't it great to feel the presence of the Lord? Isn't it great to have a sense of peace? But I want to tell you something. If you do any reading about people who walked in a very deep and intimate way with God over the 2,000 years of church history, you will find that every last one of them experienced not a season, but many seasons in the valley. And if you read Mother Teresa's diary, you know that there were seasons when she thought she was going to lose her mind. How can you be faithful when you're not feeling God? It's easy to read the Word when you're feeling Him. It's easy to be in prayer when you just sense His goodness. It's easy to be bold, easy to be confident. How about when you get terrible news? How about when someone in your family is diagnosed with cancer? How about when you lose a loved one? How about when someone else got that promotion or someone else got that dream opportunity you were thinking of? You know what Habakkuk said he learned? Habakkuk said when the fig tree doesn't blossom and there's no fruit on the vine and the olive crop doesn't fail and the fields produce no food and there's no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet will I rejoice in the Lord, yet will I be joyful in God my Savior. Let me tell you, there's two times to praise God when you feel like it and when you don't. <laughs> praise Him. You know why you should praise God tomorrow morning? Because He's God. Because He's God. Don't, don't praise Him so you're you know, calculating it so He'll be better to you. Because God can't get better. He's good. He is who He is. Praise Him just because. That's what maturing saints do. Don't be a whiner. You know, I've had to renounce whining, ingratitude. Sometimes I just shock myself with the amount of whining that can come out of me. And self-pity, I, I just tell you, it, I, I get disgusted at times with myself. And I say, Lord, I'm so sorry. That's putrid. I want to puke. <laughs> self-pity is nasty. Ask God to help you to be faithful in spiritual droughts. Also, Ask God to help you to be faithful. Now remember, think of faithfulness as being responsible with praise. The book of Proverbs says, a person is tested by the praise that he receives. You're tested by the praise that you receive. Now here's something biblically we need to wrestle with. Do you know, God wants us all to receive encouragement. In fact, the word encouragement comes from some words that mean this, to put courage in. To put courage in. Everybody needs encouragement. Everybody needs affirmation. But be careful with praise. Didn't God say, I will not share my glory with another? Do you know why? It's a mercy that He won't share His glory with you. He shares it with the church. He's given His glory to the church. Right? John 17, Jesus said that. He's given His glory to the church. But it's a mercy that he won't share his glory with us as individuals because it's a weight too great for us to bear. It would consume us and destroy us. In fact, the, the word glory comes from a word meaning weight, W-E-I-G-H-T. We can't handle it. You know, the best place for us is a hidden place. You know what Thomas Akempis said in Imitation of Christ? It's become a prayer. I hope before I check out of this life, I will have matured in this. He said, love to be unknown and esteemed as not. 
love to be unknown and esteemed as not. You know, Paul's talked a lot. I've learned a lot about Paul, or from Paul, about humility. He talks about going low, right? You know, God does want to exalt you. The Bible says that. Humble yourself and he'll exalt you, right? What's going to happen if you exalt yourself? He'll humble you. And he'd rather not. He'd rather not. Learn to go low. Ask God what that means. What would that mean for me? How do I do that? That doesn't mean you should be depressed. A humble person is not a depressed person. A depressed person, by the way, is a self-absorbed person. Do you know that? Because your focus is entirely on self. Why? Who wouldn't be depressed if your focus is entirely on yourself? The Bible says get your eyes fixed on Jesus. Right? Fix your eyes. That means fasten your focus on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author, the perfecter of your faith. That means the source and the developer of your faith. So no matter where you are in the faith continuum, you can get faith from Jesus because he's the source and the developer. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, he sat down at the right hand of God. That's Jesus. That's our Savior. That's our King. That's the lover of our soul. Fix your eyes on him. Ask God to help you to deal well when you're complimented, when you're encouraged. You want to know the best response to a compliment? Thank you. Thank you. You know, I remember reading a story about an associate pastor who got a chance to preach, and I guess, you know, he did a pretty good job. And uh, he stood in the uh, lobby after the service to shake people's hands with, with the senior pastor. And uh, people were complimenting him, and one guy said, oh, man, that was, that was man, he knocked it out of the park. And he said, oh, it was all God. It was all God. And... Uh, and his associate, or the senior pastor said, it wasn't that good. <laughs> but it was all God. You know, the truth is, it's never all God. It's never all God. I, I, I think we should get that right. God wouldn't say it's all me. If, if God works through you, you have to say yes. He doesn't coerce you. Some of us watched the Olympics last summer. Now, there were some athletes who actually... You know, one gold medals, who are Christians, who spend an awful lot of time training. <laughs> Imagine. They worked on technique. They worked on conditioning. Right? They practiced and practiced and practiced. They were faithful. And they won. Some of them won the gold. God wouldn't say, well, it was all me. God didn't run the race. They ran the race. God wants to use you. And when people encourage you, say thank you. Thank you. Not, oh, shit, was all good. It wasn't that good. <laughs> right? Can you ever say it was that good that it was all God? I don't think so. All God was Jesus. Yeah, come on. Right? There's some of me in everything. There's some of you in everything. So go ahead and receive encouragement, but ask God to show you how to deal with praise. Because I want to tell you, we're, we're often warned about sexual sins, we're often warned about chemical temptations, we're often warned, warned about money temptations. I'll tell you what we're not warned about enough is pride. Watchman Nee said that's the engine that drives the other sins. You know, I, I find that pride has to be at work in me before I give myself permission to do the other stupid stuff. That's true. 
So watch out for pride. Be more concerned about pride than anything. That'll get you before the other thing could get you. I think it was Jonathan Edwards who said, nothing places a man so far out of the devil's reach as humility. Ask God to show you what the real thing looks like and help you to experience the real thing. Learn to be faithful and responsible with praise. Now let me ask you this. We're going to close. How can I be faithful? How can I be faithful? I'm going to share three things. There's probably 20 things. But I'm only going to share three. And one is be empowered. One of my favorite texts is in Jeremiah 10.23. Jeremiah said, It is not in a man who walks, O Lord, to direct his steps. We need help outside of ourselves. I don't have the wherewithal. I'm not self-sufficient. I'm not the architect of my own destiny. I need God. And thank God I have God. But in Ephesians 5.18, Paul said, Be continually filled with the Spirit. He said, Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Here's something. If you're, if you're filled with the Spirit, you won't want to be drunk with wine. Filled with the Spirit is better. It's better. And that's, that's the thing that satisfies every, every wound, that, that heals every wound and satisfies every heart's longing, is the Spirit. So if you're going to be faithful in the small things, which is so important to do, you can't do it on your own. You need to be empowered. I like a, a prayer that Morris Wagner taught his congregation at North Heights over 40, nearly 40 years. He taught them to pray, Lord, I can't. You can. Please do. Thank you. <laughs> be empowered. Be continually filled, Paul said. Be continually filled. You know, he talked about, that was a good word about being baptized in the Holy Spirit. But I've known people who, that's all they talk about is when they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. But you need to be filled today. Yeah, amen. You need to be filled tomorrow. You know why? You leak. <laughs> Second thing is be supported. If you're going to be faithful in the small things, you need to be supported. Galatians 6, 2 tells us to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. There really is no picture or profile of a Christian in the New Testament who functions by himself. The Alpha Course teaches us there's two things you can't do by yourself. You can't marry and you can't be a Christian. Not really. Yeah, it's true. You can meet God in solitary confinement, but that's not the ideal. That's not the ideal. God gave us a body. Think about all of the one another statements in the New Testament. Count them up sometime. Can you think of some? Love one another. Encourage. Forgive. Right. And, you know, bear one another's burdens. There's about 30 of them. About 30 of these statements. You can't do them by yourself. Be supported. Jack Deere said at last year's conference to the pastors, he said, if there's something in your life that you can't share with someone, it owns you. It owns you. And you know what would keep you from sharing with someone else? Almost always, it'll be pride. Yeah. And let me tell you that that's at least as ugly as the thing that you're afraid to share. So why not get it out? You know what you're going to find? You're not that unusual. You know, I just... I, I don't know what it is. If people think my, my mouth is going to drop open, you did what? You did what? I kind of am tempted to say that most times after they share. You did what? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but the truth is, I, I haven't been shocked, shocked yet. I've heard some really terrible things. Yeah. And I've done some terrible things. Sure, anyway, be supported walking. In harmony 
with each other. Two are better than one, the scripture says, for if one falls, he has the other to lift him up, but woe be unto that one who falls when he's alone. And finally, be desperate. You know, you can't manufacture zeal. Zeal is not hype. Zeal is, is, is energy from the Holy Spirit. It's fuel to keep you going. Be desperate. What causes a man to jump into a dumpster after a half-eaten burger? It would be acute hunger, right? That's right. That's what makes me get up to read my Bible daily for 37 years. That's what makes me take time to be with God daily for 37 years, and I hope for another 30. I don't mean to be patting myself on the back. I'm telling you, I'm a desperate man. I know that my flesh is capable of anything. My flesh is capable of anything. Did you have a question? Do you have to ask to be filled with I think it's great. I think it's so important. You know, I, I pray the scriptures, and there's a text in, in uh, actually in Romans 12, where Paul says, never flag in zeal. The question was, do you need to ask to be filled with zeal routinely? And I, I think yes. But Paul says, never flag in zeal, or never wean in zeal, or never let your zeal get down to the empty mark, your zeal needle. <laughs> but I want you to think about these two texts. Zechariah 1.12, God says, I will punish the men who are stagnant in spirit. I will punish the men who are stagnant in spirit. Amos 6.1, woe to you who are at ease in Zion. God is, God is looking for people who are desperate for Him. And that's not something that you're going to successfully create for yourself. God's going to give you that. But you're going to find it in the secret place. I want you to know that deep, deep commitment to God flows out of deep communion with God. You want deep commitment. You want holy zeal. You've got to touch the altar. Everything that touches the altar, the Bible says, is holy. Right? You've got to touch the king. And sometimes, let me tell you something, when you're doing that, you don't feel a thing. You don't feel a thing. Out of these 37 years of Bible reading, i, I got to tell you, it's actually very rare when I feel the presence of God when I'm reading my Bible. There are times I've been so angry with God, I've unsuccessfully tried to rip my Bible in half and flung it against the wall. I've used vulgarity with God. Somehow he must still care about me because I'm here. i tell you, I've been through what most of us are going to go through, and that's seasons of difficulty and challenge, and I haven't always handled it well. But one thing I've known these years is I can't afford not to meet with God. And I want you to know you have the time for it. You have the time for it. Do you have the hunger for it? See, and that's where I would ask you to ask God to help you to be more hungry for Him than you are tired. Because it's amazing. You can find time for what you want. Well, Let's pray. Father, we, we need you to make us what we can't make us. Would you cleanse us? Would you wash us? Would you forgive us for the times and the ways we've yielded to apathy, the times and the ways we've been self-indulgent, the times and the ways we've failed to, to crucify the flesh with its self-indulgent neighbor uh, appetites? Would you cleanse us and wash us? And would you fill us with that holy zeal? And would you help us to have a new priority for being faithful in even small things, the things that don't seem to matter to us? Because, Lord, we're a people who want to be trusted with more and more and more. We want to be able to be trusted with more spiritual authority. We want to cast out demons, heal the sick, raise the dead, and preach the gospel. 
Lord, would you help us to become a people who are faithful in things we don't think are that important. And may you receive all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. And if you need to talk to God, if you need to cry out to him right now, this might be a good time. for all of us to talk at the same time but it doesn't confuse God he's good at it so just open your mouth and share something out from this message just maybe a sentence or two just say something it's good to have our ears hear what our heart is saying and our mouth is speaking for so just give it a try speak something out Father I really do Perseverance in depth, perseverance and endurance, that I may have hope in the character that that forms, Father God. Just continue to stir in me to give you revelation and knowledge about your word and deeper insight into that, Father God. Just stay in this place uh, of of talking with the Lord and, and uh, asking for more of the Spirit, but uh, we want to obviously make it available to people that need to head off or want to go and hang out and eat. So if this is something that's been burning in your heart tonight, the whole message and the theme of tonight of more of the Holy Spirit or even just more hunger for the Lord and things that he, Kevin was sharing about, I just maybe just what you feel comfortable doing would be just to stay here we can spend some more time praying. I'm sure Kevin wouldn't mind praying with you. Uh, Are you able to stay a little bit, yeah, Kevin? Yeah. You can, can stay here and pray. There'll be some other people. I'll stay and a couple of other leaders might stay and pray. Otherwise, be really conscious of the people in here praying and move maybe downstairs where all the food is. Or if you want to grab two or three guys, guys with guys or girls with girls, if you want to spread yourself out around the house, uh, make sure you do that. And if you're not familiar with how it goes here, uh, I still think from last week to this week to continuing. If if you're a female, we, we want to make sure you feel nice and safe and, and walk you to cars. So don't leave without having a, a group of maybe a couple of you that want to walk to cars and guys accompany. If you see ladies starting to head outside the door, just ask politely if you if they need someone to accompany them. Just we want to make sure we honour that. So just stay in this in this place. If if you're wanting just to ask more of the Lord, you can. But don't feel burdened to stay here if you feel like you just want to go and fellowship with people or maybe grab someone you can go downstairs. We'll turn that one down.
So just be blessed, and I'll just pray one, one more prayer over you guys. Lord, we just thank you for tonight and what you've done. Thank you, we just Lord. pray that you would just seal everything that's been spoken uh, through yeah. Kevin and through what you've, you've done tonight. Yeah. And I just pray, uh, yeah, just again, just a, a protection and a covering over our minds and our hearts as we leave this place, Lord, that, yeah, those doubts and those fears that come against us, that we would just be filled with more of you, and we would be, like Kevin said, just a, someone that's just been uh, just totally at your banquet table and just eating more and more of your presence, that those things wouldn't be appealing because we've got so much of you, Lord. Would you seal it in our hearts, Lord, now, in Jesus' name. Amen. I just want to say one thing in response to Kevin's message, that when I was your age, God began to stir in my heart. It was a slow burn for a while. But it began to stir in my heart when I was the age of, of some of you. And I'm very thankful that he gave me people who instructed me, like Kevin is teaching tonight, and I made some decisions that helped me, that helped me steer clear. And so uh, when you hear a message like this, which is really uh, a stirring message that calls for commitment, I'd encourage you to respond as soon as you can to yeah. it. You know, respond. Have, have somebody pray for you. Have yeah. Kevin pray for you. Because... When you are making good decisions, one right after another, that's really what the Spirit-filled life is about. Yeah. It's about setting your focus, like Romans 8 says, setting your mind on the things of the Spirit. That's what the Spirit-filled life is. And so you just make good decisions. And I'm so thankful that at a young age, God allowed me to experience that, where you are right now. And you, can, you don't have to throw it away. You can, you can live a life that is rich and full today. Yes. So uh, I had a, a blessing that, that the Lord will really touch you and enable you to walk, that the disciplines become a delight, that the yes. disciplines are not just rigor, but they're a yeah. real delight that you, have, that you enjoy what God puts before you to do. Yes. And like you enjoy the steak that Kevin is going to have later this week, that you, you enjoy those things. So blessings to you tonight. Good to have you here. The food fellowship downstairs through the house, prayer and soaking and whatever you want in here. Be
was awesome, and um, yeah, I was like, I